there. I'm your host, Leslie Randolph. I'm a self-confidence coach for teenage girls and the self-confidence coach you wish you had as a teen. Honestly, I'm the self-confidence coach I wish I had as a teen because I know I could have saved myself and my mother a whole lot of heartache if I'd only known then what I know now. I hope to save you some of that suffering by sharing the lessons I learned late in life right here on Why Didn't They Tell Us. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey, happy people. Welcome back to Why Didn't They Tell Us. I am so excited for today's show and the amazing guest that I get to share with you. Y'all, this one is personal uh, because I both admire and just adore today's guest. Uh, You may remember in one of my first episodes, I shared that one of my childhood dreams was to be an actress. And it wasn't just a childhood dream. It was one that I carried with me well into my young adult years. I'm not going to lie. As I'm actually saying this to you, I have the goosebumps remembering it. (laughs) Um, Yet it was never a possibility for me. And I want to be very clear. It wasn't that I didn't make it as an actress. It was that I never even tried. I was so afraid of rejection and failure and frankly, the work that goes into... (laughs) making a dream a reality, that I failed and rejected myself before I even went on an audition. I never did. Today's guest, Jessie Fisher, was a a braver woman than me. She was willing to do the work, but most importantly, she was willing to feel all the feels that come when you go after your goals, when you chase your dreams or pursue the life of your dreams. I've known Jessie for nearly 30 years from our early days at Harand Theater Camp. (laughs) And today, Jessie is an award-winning actress, composer, and educator. On Broadway, Jessie has starred in the Tony Award-winning musical Once, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, and can be currently seen in the Neil Diamond musical A Beautiful Noise. She created and leads programming implemented by the U.S. Army to strengthen emotional intelligence for mental health and community responsibility. An award-winning composer and musician, she's written music for theaters in Chicago, Philadelphia, and New York. She's also the co-creator of the joy-focused variety show, Eric and Jesse and Everyone You Know. And if that is not enough, (laughs) Jesse became a certified doula during the pandemic and has assisted many families in their birth stories. Jesse, my friend, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. No, thank 30 you. 30 years? I did the 30 math. 30 years? I know, I know, I did the math, it might be wrong, but I'm going with it. I think you're right. I think you're right. I'm going with it. And I knew yeah. when, I think I said this to you when I when I messaged you, I knew when I launched this show, you would be a guest. Oh. Because I do, I mean, I, I adore you. I admire you. I'm just like so in awe of what you've created with your life. And yeah. I I tip my hat. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. But well, listen, that means so much to me. But also I think I'm in awe of anyone I've known for so long and known since we were teenagers in such a like formative, hard part of life. I'm in awe of all the beautiful friends that I have, regardless of what their trajectory is, of how they've gotten to where they are today. Because watching someone from that age to now is such a spectacular gift. So I'm really excited and I'm really honored that you've said all that, but also just really excited to see you and catch up with you. Oh, I'm tickled. Oh, there's the goosebumps again. Before we came on the air, guys, I told I told Jesse I'm probably going to cry during this episode. I will keep my stuff together, but I like the wells, the wells. Yes. We, we, will, we will behave. <laughs> I'm lying. We won't. Um, Jesse, I know I just gave you this big bio, but why don't you tell like in your own words what you do? and why you do it, and how you got here. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You'll have to help keep me on track if I deviate. But um, I get very nervous when I'm asked this question, only because I really try to evaluate where I am in this 
part of my life, what my, what my story means to me today, you know? So I'm careful to not just retell a story that I've been saying for the past 20 years about myself. I really try to investigate like, who am I now and how did I get here? But generally speaking, I'm an actress, I'm an improviser, I'm a teacher, I'm a musician, I'm a composer. And usually I think artists get slapped with this multi-hyphenate label out of desperation that you're you're told you do all these things because you have to do all these things, right? That's the artist's life. And I do not identify with that. Everything that I do is a choice and has been cultivated and all centers around this kind of core of who I believe I am, which is someone who's on a journey to give myself and give others permission to feel how they feel, be who they are, explore that through behavior, through circumstance, through relationship. And so much of it is just about this permission to be a human being in all its beautiful, um, messy, lovely, ugly, gorgeous forms. And that's kind of part of every single thing I do. Um, And we'll get into it, but I think pursuing acting, the pursuit of it, led me to all these tributaries that kind of feed that greater um, river. But it's all based in my fascination and like love and curiosity of being uh, being a human being, being alive. Um, so I think, how did I start doing that? I was a I was a super emotional child who always felt a lot of um, shame, I think, for being such a feeler. Mm. I was a very easy crier. I felt things very big. I was affected by movies and music and um, humanity in a very big way. And although I had beautiful, hippie, artistic parents, I think I wasn't sure it was acceptable to be that way. Theater became this outlet for me where I felt like you have permission to live as fully as possible in different circumstances without apology. And it felt so familiar and safe to me. It felt like a very safe place. And I know a lot of artists who I remember growing up and in theater classes on day one when people would say, why are you, why are you in that? Why do you like acting? A lot of people would talk about disappearing. I like to pretend I'm someone else. I like to disappear. That's not for me. For me, it was, I get to be the most me I am in these different circumstances and I don't have to apologize for it. Um, so that that's kind of the core of what started me on this journey. And then it's led to a million other um, different areas of life. But I think like when I talk about the tie that binds everything I do, it's kind of narrowed down to um, a lot of different walks of life that are about seeing what's in front of me, not what I wish was in front of mm-hmm. me. Um, having opinions, but listening so hard and being willing to change, um, letting people surprise me and, and articulating what it is I'm truly feeling and what I think someone across from me might be feeling so that you can either accept it, learn from it or speak it and release it. So that's a lot, (laughs) but that's kind of, that's kind of, I think, when I think today of my essence, that's that's my journey. I just decided that I don't even want to talk on this show anymore. I was like, okay, <laughs> Jesse's gonna go. Because Jesse, what you just like, that's everything I do as a life coach. That's everything I yeah. do. Your vehicle, though, is theater and expression, because it yeah. is expression. And I yes. I think back, obviously, I think back to my theater days often, and I think. Uh, you know, getting ready for today's show, I was transported right back there. And I always, I never regret my theater because it is just that. It is a masterclass in the human condition. Oh, yeah. And and what motivates us and what inspires us. And you just speak to that so beautifully. Yeah. And you're right. And I think what excites me about it is that it's it's both universal, but also highly specific. Um, 
when I talk about birth work, it's the same language. It's universal and highly specific to you. But I think the more we witness and have that awareness of what's outside of us, the more you get to um, be kinder to yourself and kinder to humanity as a whole, that we behave and respond to what is in front of us and in such a multitude of ways. And that's, that's, um, it's exciting and beautiful and it can be hard, but that is the human condition. Yeah. 100%. I love the way you just said that because it opens up to so much compassion when you're in, um, you know, a scene with another actor, you always have to put yourself in their shoes of, well, first of all, you've put yourself in your character shoes of what's their motivation. What do they want? What's driving them? But also yeah. the, the person that you are playing opposite of, of yeah. how are they going to respond and how beautiful the world would be if we had that compassion for our fellow humans and for ourselves. Oh, yes. Yes. And we, I'm sure we'll get into this, but here we are now. So I'll just speak to it. Anytime that I start to feel, whether it's on life or on stage or an audition or whatever it is, whenever I start to go too internal, whenever I start to get clouded and I can't see what's in front of me, the greatest thing I do to anchor myself in the present is look across at whoever is in front of me and whether I'm right or wrong, speak to what I think that in my brain, what their behavior is, what's happening to them, what is going on with them right now? Because they are with me. We're here together. So like, it's not just about me. It's not just about what's happening inside. I'll get lost if I get too focused on that. We are always in relation. We're always in. Re- oh, I have this great. I talk about it all the time, Leslie. One of my favorite kind of scientific theories um, when we when you really distill it into easy digestible terms is it's basically we're we're a series of happenings not things and we are just one interaction to the next interaction and we are a thing is only a thing when it's interacting with another thing so if i get so focused on just me alone I'm like missing out on what it is to be a person and it's not reality. So yeah, so much of what I do is like, what, yeah, what's going on with her right now? What's going on with him? What are they feeling? What do I think they're, oh, that's different. That's not what I expected. And then that shifts my story and my experience. Yeah. And that speaks to what you said at the beginning of like, I let people surprise me because we have stories in our head of why people are doing what they do. And it often is just that. It's in our head. It's not true. And it gives us the opportunity to have um, authentic human connection when we're willing to tap into that curiosity and that willingness to to be wrong about people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Not to go too far off topic, but I have such a clear, I have so many clear, crystal clear memories in my head of you on stage. I just see you so clearly and it's so beautiful to see you now because you are, you're the same human and you're a different human. And I just love that so much. I see you in once upon a mattress. <laughs> you guys, I swear, this is where I start crying. <laughs> but listen, like you, that kind of, I love, love, love examining like, what's this thing I was interested in and taken by? And you, you had that curiosity in you too, and not pursuing it through theater means nothing. It means nothing. It's not what you did. It's the thing that, that drives you and that's you're passionate about that informs what you do. So like you are still doing what you cared about. It's just in a different package. 1000%. Well, thank you for saying that. And I think that's such an important uh, message for everyone to hear because the journey on this one and only life of ours may not look, it might not take the path that you thought it would take, but we all get to where we're meant to be. If you just keep going bring that compassion and that curiosity and that willingness to be wrong. Um, so I'm, yeah. I'm tickled hearing that. And that actually is the most gorgeous segue into one of my questions that I had for you. Because if I remember correctly, I, I, I remember the beginning of seeing you yeah. on stage. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spill a secret. Y'all, I used to have Jessie sing to me at night before bed um, because she had the most <laughs> beautiful voice. And that was how I would go to bed every night of having her sing The Secret Garden or A Little Fall of Rain from Les Mis <laughs> literally every night. 
But I missed I missed your middle chapters, Jesse, because if I remember correctly, you did shift away. You were you were an actor when I first met you, and here you are today. But you what informed the decision to step away from theater and what brought you back? Yes. Yeah. So I think I'm a big believer. And I have been lucky enough to, whether I could articulate this when I, when I was a younger human or not, um, I now have the words for it, but I've always been able to invest in what feeds me and, um, step away from obsessing over what doesn't. Mm. I think it's really easy to be like, you know, I love this thing. I want this thing. And if it's not giving me something back, um, I think it can be easy to be like, well, why isn't it? Or what's wrong with me? And okay, I just need to push harder and harder. And I think you don't learn that way. You stop understanding why you love something in the first place. So I, I really like follow a lot of asking myself questions of what is what is feeding me? Why am I in pursuit, period? And that can help me then be in control of things that are out of my control. So for example... I started acting. I've been passionate about this since I, before I can remember. I was lucky enough to have it as a resource that fed me as well, where I think it was telling me, you belong here. This is a place that, that you're, um, that it, it, I felt very accepted into that world. When I started auditioning for conservatories, which is what everyone told me you're supposed to do as an actress, if you want to be an actress, go to a conservatory program. You got to go to NYU. You got to go to Yale. You got to go to DePaul, Juilliard, whatever these high profile schools are. Mm-hmm. I didn't get into any of them. I, I didn't get into any of the programs. And I'm sure I'm remembering it incorrectly. But I don't think I dwelled very long because I knew in my heart that I loved it, but that maybe getting there was going to be a different path. And I actually had excitement of being like, well, as long as I love what I love, I'm going to find the ways to keep loving it. So I went to University of Colorado instead, which didn't mind my not perfect grade point average and didn't mind that I didn't test incredibly. I, I tested fine, but I was, I, you know, I, I, that wasn't ever my focus. Um, maybe I ditched a little too many days of high school. Yeah. I don't know, Leslie, those records are, are, are not available to, to review. But, um, <laughs> but so the beautiful part of that is it kind of helped deviate me for a second. I was like, I'm going to study science. I'm going to be a chemistry major instead. Um, and it was kind of a rejection of what had rejected me. Um, it was in defiance of what I think everyone else's expectations were for me, but it was also giving myself permission of saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. I've liked this thing since I was a kid, but let's keep asking ourselves questions about what else is for us in this world? Because mm. if I am so stuck on what I've told myself I am and what my identifiers are from age, geez, seven on, what am I missing out on seeing? What am I closing out? So I was pursuing science, but I was like, but I'll doubt, I'll try, I'll see what about the acting program here. And then I ended up just studying theater because I was like, no, I, it is what I want. So that was like one deviation. Then when I came back to Chicago, I think I kind of hoped the theater doors would be wide open for me. My goal was always, I really wanted to act um, at Steppenwolf Theater in Chicago, which is like a prestigious institution of ensemble actors who really act like with their whole hearts. Um, And listen, I tried to get my foot in that door and it wasn't happening for me. And so I said, okay, well, what am I hungry for? I'm hungry for community and I'm hungry for a safe place to fail. Um, So I started doing improv and started taking classes and being like, this is a safe place to test out failure. This is a safe place where like I can give myself that permission. That then led to, you know... All these things, that's why I kind of use it as a tributary. Like it took me away and then it all kind of flows back. And when it flows back, I'm stronger, smarter, more interesting, more joyful, more capable. I've 
I've evolved in some way and then I am taking more and bringing more to when I come back to theater. Does that answer your question? <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? I, 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 want, I want to highlight a couple of things that you just said that I, yeah. I, I for, for my teenage listeners, for moms of teens, I just think these are such critical messages. And, and I love that you acknowledge that like, maybe this is not the story I would have told when I was in it. But wow, from the other side of it, I can see these things. The, yeah. the what feeds me. I see that with like, again, going back to relationship, because as teens, we can be like, why doesn't she like, I'm dealing with this right now with a, my oh. daughter. Why doesn't she like me? Why doesn't she like me? Why isn't this working? And we don't take the time to ask ourselves, what feeds me? What do I need? Do I like her? Because certainly you don't like her, how she's treating you. Let's acknowledge that. Uh, yeah. Such a good one. The supposed tos. I think that speaks to that linear path of how it's supposed yeah. to look, what we should yeah. be doing. And when we're willing to acknowledge that maybe this is not my supposed to, maybe it's someone else's. Yes. The, yes. I, the identifiers, yes. like the labels that we gave ourselves, like I'm going to be a Steppenwolf actress and your willingness right. to maybe take the Steppenwolf out of it for a moment or that to even change the label completely when we're willing to let go of those labels. Yes. And, and to, to stay curious about instead of that, what that's out of my control, because so much is like, just keep asking myself in a very kind fashion, not in an abusive way, asking myself like, well, why? Okay. So what do I like about Steppenwolf? What, what do I like about them? Okay, so I like that they seem to be playful, but super honest. Okay, so how can I develop that in me regardless of them? Like, obviously, there's something I'm attracted to. It's not the thing. It's the, it's the pieces of what, what make me tick. So how do I keep going? But why? But why? But why? And I love what you said about relationship because I think about this as a human as, and as an actor that like, I spend a lot of time putting myself in the vulnerable position of auditioning, which is saying like, here's my artistic opinion. Here are my thoughts. Like, do, do you like, do you like it? Um, and my brain is shifted in beautiful ways, which is, listen, I still have ego. So I still want to be chosen. Like, of course I want to know I'm good at, I'm not free of, of caring fully about what other people think of me. You're still a human. But I'm just still, yeah, I'm still a human, but I am conscious of like, well, what matters to me about what they see? And then I'm auditioning them too. So like, if I go into an audition, I'm like, well, did I like that director? Did I like them? Did I like that casting director? Did I like the people in the room? Because either I didn't. So gosh, if I get this part, I'm going to have to navigate that. And if I don't like, cool, we're not for each other. Or if I did like them and I don't get the opportunity, I get to be like, oh, great. Well, I got to like meet them. And uh, how do I pursue this relationship? But it's absolutely applicable to how I think about life too. That I do the same thing, Leslie, which is like, I think I spent so much time being like, it's about me. It's about me. It's about me. So if someone's mean to me, if someone seems like I pissed them off, um, I immediately am like, what about me? What did I, what did I do? What's wrong with me? Instead of being like, I wonder what's going on with them. I want like, whether it's your child, whether it's another person that's your equal, what's going on with them? What is happening to them that they are behaving that way? Instead of what did I do to have them treat me this way? 1000%. And rejection yeah. is, and, and there, there will be roles that even Jesse, who I'm telling you is as amazing on stage as she is right here will not get. But I love that you just said like, I get to decide what I make that mean in my coaching practice. That is 100% like at the source of everything. There are these neutral circumstances of the world. There are, you know, the, the words the director says to you, there are the words that the friend says to my daughter on the playground. We all get to decide what we make those mean about ourselves yes. and what that makes us mean about our talent, about our existence, all of the above. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that's so true. And I think it's hard. It's a hard thing to really <clears throat> make sense, 
especially when you're a young person and everything is new to you. Mm. Everything's new. So like, why would you be good at it? You know, it's a big thing that but you, you have one of your questions is like, what would I tell my, what things I would tell my younger self? And that's definitely one of them is like, this is new. Why would you be good at it? But the practice, 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 and eventually it will become easier. But like being able to feel what you're feeling, know that it's okay to feel that way. I'm feeling this way in response to the kid who was mean to me on the playground. And then once I allow myself permission to feel it, can I also be like, well, that's on them. <laughs> what, what is going on with them that they feel like they needed to treat a person that way? Like, you know. 1000%. Yeah. And it's all, all choices. It's all choices. And neither one is good nor bad, nor are the feelings good nor bad. It's all just part of our humanness and our experience yes. on this, this journey of life. Yes. And I often talk about like how a, a thing I really try to cultivate is that I'm the only barometer of my success and failure. I'm the only one. And that doesn't mean just looking for the good in what I do, but it means being even kind to myself about like what, you know, when I'm asking myself, was that about me? It is sometimes about taking accountability too and being like, yeah. I was a bitch. Sorry, do we not swear on your do we not swear on your podcast? We're doing great. But like but like um yeah, I was I'm in a bad mood today because of this, this, and this. And I responded poorly and I kind of I might have been the catalyst in this situation. <laughs> All right. Well, there's my accountability. And um if that's a failure, how do I why is it a failure to me, not anyone else? And then success, same success for me is the same thing. Like it, listen, it's very cool that I get to like on paper, the things I've done, um, are, are kind of objectively successful. I get, I'm in my third Broadway show, like as a theater actor, that's pretty good, but I don't let someone else's idea of what that success interfere with why it means something to me. Why is that meaningful to me? And it's good to like, let it wash over you when you have great achievements and let other people being impressed by you, make you feel good. And then I gently ask myself, okay, so why does it feel good just for me in the secret world of like my brain? Like why, why is that meaningful to me? Yeah. Oh, so good. It's so good. <laughs> I, I, I love all of it. And I mean, I celebrate with you, but I love that you celebrate yourself. And, and, and the most important words that I hear you saying, and it's such a critical part of cultivating self-confidence, which is what I, I aim with all my clients, yeah. kindness and compassion for yourself. Even, oh my gosh. even in those moments of when your humanness is not what you want it to be, just such kindness and compassion because you can't beat yourself yeah. up to doing something differently. It might work in the moment, but yeah. it just feels terrible in the long run. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about some of those those feels that come along with being an actress, and that is rejection and failure. I mean, you've spoken to it yeah. a little bit. Like, how do you handle that? Because I yeah. want all of us to be going out there, living our dreams and going after goals, but that's part of it. So how do you yeah. handle it? And does it get any easier? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, first, I think it does get easier, but that doesn't mean it's not hard. I think it gets easier because like anything, I when you ex have enough experiences, they become familiar. You get comfortable with being uncomfortable, which is a great place to grow in. Um, but But it's still hard. And I think how I cope with it is by accepting that. I think when you deny what you're truly feeling, it just doesn't give you space to process it and move through it and past it. So if I'm so determined to say to myself, well, I, I didn't really care about it. And um, it doesn't mean any, any, anything about me. And um, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Then I'm like just burying the truth and I'll, it will find a place to come out of me in a different way. So I think one of the beautiful ways that I talk about it is just about, um, why wouldn't it be painful to 
<clears throat> open myself up to the vulnerability of caring about something and not being able to follow through on it, why wouldn't that be painful? I equate it to falling in love a lot of the time. Like in order to participate in this job, I have to find something that I'm I love about every role that I audition for, every play that I audition for. And sometimes it's easier than others. But my whole goal is that I, I have to feel the justification of involving myself in telling a, some human story that I, I have to fall in love. So therefore, I know I am subjecting myself to the vulnerability of possibly not having that love reciprocated. Um, so, so much of it is is kind of loving. <laughs> Gosh, is there a better way to say that? I I just love the act of of falling in love, and and I love the act of exploring. Like, why does something hurt me when it hurts me? But truly, it's just about the acceptance that, like, I grieve for a day fully. I let myself feel sad, and then I remind myself that there's a big wide world out there, and there's opportunities I couldn't have ever dreamed of that are ahead of me. And uh, I'll I'll meet them when I meet them. I I just love all that so much. I'm sitting here nodding my head because if Jesse had decided that that failure and rejection from the conservatory was the end, that that was a failure and forget it, like you wouldn't be here today. And and yeah. and to to the to the original question that I had asked, even of like. We just need to allow those feelings. It's when we avoid yeah. them and resist them and it's fine. Oh, oh, fine. Ugh. I was originally going to name this podcast, Ugh. Stop Feeling Fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, no, to acknowledge the pain, to feel the hurt. Yeah. There's um one of the, one of the training programs I did. Um, oh, just to finish a thought, like I, I'd wanted to work at this theater step and, you know, at Steppenwolf. And when I was in my early twenties, it seemed like that wasn't going to happen. And then I went and deviated outside and did all these other things that brought me great joy and taught me so much. And then I came back and I've done two incredible shows at that theater that, that like were my dream opportunities. Um, but one of the things I'd done a training program, an intensive at that theater, and uh, I learned this method that that's taught in a lot of different ways, sometimes better than others. That's that's Meisner based, which is really about behavior, seeing it, speaking to what you see, and speaking to what you're actually feeling. And the greatest piece of it was learning to articulate like fine is not an option. Fine's not an option. There's, and we can be three things at the same time, but it was such an amazing uh, exercise. And, and sometimes I'm still out of shape with this muscle um, is, is being able to specify and articulate the thing you're feeling. And you'll know it because as soon as you name it, you're like, it'll hit you in the gut. And then you'll be able to be in conversation with it in a more generous place. So anytime that you want to shake it off and be fine and not address it, it's still living there and it's not going to go anywhere. But if you get acquainted with it um, and learn its name, then you'll be able to deal with it and be in relation to it. Like 1000%. And this is one of the things that I do in my coaching practice. You know, the part of this whole experience of life is to feel our feelings to acknowledge our feelings. Yeah. So I, I encourage my clients, yeah, we're going to put a name to it. Where is it in your yes. body? What does it feel like? Yes. Because- Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And, and and to you of like, because once you can just understand that it's just this feeling in your body and you know maybe it's a tightness in your stomach or a tightness in your chest, it's like, oh, that, that is what that emotion is. It cannot hurt me. Yeah. It, cannot, it cannot kill me. I can yeah. just feel it. I can allow it. And, and from that space, like the danger of it, the danger of failing, the danger of rejection, of doubt and fear, all of these, these dangerous emotions that we think are so scary, they're not. They're just yeah. that. Yes. And all of it's temporary. All of it's temporary. Everything. And temporary might have a different meaning of longevity. But I so often, once I name a thing, whether it's good or bad, I go like the voice in my brain just goes, well, I guess we'll be this until we're not, <laughs> you know, I love <laughs> I that so we'll much be this until we're not. And what's going to change it. 
something outside of me. Like what's going to change? It's probably not going to be me muscling something. It's going to be my awareness and openness to something outside of me changing me. So good. So good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so we, we look at the feels that come with, you know, this, this life that you have chosen, this beautiful life. But I also think that, I mean, first of all, I think to get where you are required so much self-confidence. And I also, yeah. I, I often talk about self-confidence as like knowing who you are. So again, those questions, why, what feeds me and, and nourishing yeah. what feeds you. Um, so knowing who yeah. you are and loving and believing in that human just as she is. That's how I define um, self-confidence in my work. So how do you cultivate self-confidence both on the stage for, you know, an audition for a performance, but just in life in general. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that I just really give myself a lot of permission and curiosity. Permission and curiosity are the, are the main thing. So like I, I, um, well, I think like an overwhelming thing is I, I, the confidence that like, um, my opinion is mine and how I feel about it can change or my, or, or I'll defend it fully. And it's just mine, you know, that's it. Um, and that the way I see the world is, can be a gift to other people if they want it to be. Um, but it's, it's certainly like, I just, um, I'm confident because I just keep seeking out the things that, uh, more things to learn. So like, whenever I'm not feeling confident, <clears throat> I just try to learn something new. Like I try to have some new perspective. Um, and I, I, you know, look towards the relationships that I trust in my life and I leave the ones that I, that don't matter to me. Actually, had a, my therapist said to me recently, oh, therapy, therapy is helpful with confidence. Like, <laughs> you know, like having a safe place to, to be all the things that you are um, and look at it and filter it through a trusted source, which is sort of what I was about to say anyway. Like we can't filter it through every source. We can't filter who we are through everybody, but like finding those people that we truly love, respect, honor and letting them untie knots with us, letting, you know, those be the reflections of who we are as well. That helps with my confidence. Um, what did I write down in my little thing? Um, yeah, I just ask myself so many questions about why I'm feeling the things I'm feeling. And again, just gently, I'm just like yesterday, I was in a really bad mood. And uh, I know that when I'm in a bad mood, there's probably something I'm avoiding um, investigating. So I was like, I'm I'm judging everyone around me. And um, when I start judging everyone and I'm being kind of um, meanly opinionated about the humans in my life, I'm like, oh, really, probably I should turn that mirror back at myself. <laughs> so why don't I deal with whatever's causing me this lack of confidence? But um, I, I just keep, keep asking myself why, 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 why? And a big piece of confidence for me is not judging myself based on, um, goals that I made. We've sort of spoken to this, but like, if I only hold myself accountable to goals I made for myself five years ago, I'm not taking into to account the person that has learned all the lessons from that point. So I think confidence for me is like loving who I am, when I am, what I am. Um, and also being able to recognize that it is going to ebb and flow and change. So having a bit of a sense of humor too, of being like, oh God, um, that person that liked that quality in themselves 10 years ago, I don't, I don't like it now, but like, cool. It's just kind of a, it's always in motion. I'm going to steal so much of that moving forward. <laughs> it's so good. So as you, you know, we've spent some time looking at the past and, you know, here we are today, you know, do you, can you summarize for me, you know, this show is the lessons learned late in life. Um, you know, yeah. what, what is a lesson that you had learned late in life that you wish you had known better sooner? 
I wish I had learned sooner that it's not about me. Uh, this thing we've talked about, about, I wish I'd had the capability to be like, whoa, 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 before I internalize all of this, can I have the understanding and compassion that everyone is having different experiences? I wish I had told my, I wish I had known when I was younger that I can be all things and still be lovable. Um, I think that's a huge part. I think I, I had set up so much around that, like, no, this is what a cool person is. Uh, this is what like a, a, a strong, independent, cool, like, um, person that is deserving of love looks like instead of being like, no, I can be messy and still be loved. I can be mean and still be loved. If I'm taking responsibility, I can feel a million things and I will still be lovable because human beings are a million things. Um, on a, on a, on a superficial level, you know, I think I was a young person who was lucky enough to be incredibly in confident about my interior but so, so I had zero self-confidence about my exterior. And I had this, I think it's a very hard thing to convince yourself that you are lovable and beautiful when you don't see that in the mirror. I listened to a few of your past podcasts that you, you touch on all these things so beautifully. I had really bad skin, but I just thought, I had this voice inside of me that was like, oh, I just wish that um, I wish my outsides reflected my insides because I like my fucking insides. <laughs> I like my insides. And you know what? It all caught up that like, I'm a 41 year old human and I have more wrinkles and I don't weigh what I weighed when I was younger and cared about that. And every day I look in the mirror and I'm like, I look so much better than I did last year. I look so much better than I did five years ago, 10 years ago. Because I'm like growing with myself of like my, my insides will match my outsides because it's how I'm going to keep viewing myself. Um, yeah, I think, and then I, I, I was this curious creature and I, I think I wish I had more sources that said I had a lot of outside influences as an artist who adults who were actors just telling me how hard it was. It's hard. It's a really hard life. Get ready for a lot of rejection. Get let, ready for a lot of pain. Are you ready for deal with that? You won't make a lot of money. You won't do this. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. And I didn't have anyone cultivating joy in what excited me. So I, when I speak to young people about art, like everything you pursue is hard. Everything you pursue and care about is going to have trials and rejection. Um, how can you refocus on like, keep being curious and joyful, just stay curious and joyful. I wish someone had told me that. I love that so much. And you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Because what the only thing harder than doing this work is what life will look like if you don't, because yeah. you miss out on all that joy. You miss out on yeah. what feeds you and loves you. And yes, being a human is hard, but it's also yeah. so amazing and so yeah. good. Yeah. And I think that thing that we, we spoke about right at the beginning that I was thinking about, which is like, it's practice. It's practice. So like find the safe places to fail, but also know like it's practice. Why would you listen? I'm still practicing. I'm still just a human in practice. I fail all the time, <laughs> but I, like I said, you just get a little more acquainted with it. But I wish I knew when I was younger, why would I be good at this thing? Why would I be good at relationships automatically? Why would I be good at all these things that I'm just testing out? That's what the test is for. That's what life is for. Like practice, fail, practice, fail, practice, fail, you know, succeed, succeed. It's just this cycle. But I, um, I, I think that a big piece is like, why, why would I just be automatically successful? Why? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. 41, 40 here, all still humaning. You say that. I always say yeah. I'm, I'm forever a work in progress. Like I'm, yeah. I'm still going and I actually do this for a living. But so do you. I'm telling you, you, you everything you speak to, I'm like, Jesse's just a coach from the stage. Um, it's, it's all the same. 
Yeah. And we spoke, you, you were speaking about being nervous. Um, and, and what, what does that mean? And for me, I intern, I'm nervous every day. I'm nervous every time I go on stage, but instead of letting the evil voice in my head, tell me that being nervous is about being unprepared or not good. I'm like, yeah, I'm nervous because I'm about to do something I care about. I've, I'm a steward of a thing that I care about. Why wouldn't I be nervous? Like, but that's excitement and pride and passion and joy and hoping that the gift that I want to give people is accepted well. Like, of course, I'm, I think being a human being, um, being nervous can be an exciting piece of that. Um, so it's, it's a constant process with that too. 1000%. Yeah. I have a question for you. Give it to me. What's your like, what's your like theater, what's your like theater memory, your most joyful theater memory oh. of being a young person? Y'all, I am so busted right now because I'm going to be really honest about something. I have a podcast episode dedicated to it. So I guess, okay. I guess this is my preview oh. because Jesse, it was, it was with you. Oh, <laughs> maybe I won't do the the podcast episode. Stick with us, friends. It was, um, it was in the Tempest. You and I were in the Tempest together. And I don't know if you'll remember this, but it was truly one of the most formative moments on the stage for me and, and in life. And that's what the podcast episode will be about. Um, we were in the Tempest and it was a live performance. Audience was there and the music didn't go on. Do you remember this? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I just got chills. Cause it's like a fresh memory. Yes. Go on. The music didn't go on. Yeah. And we all stood there frozen and we were like, what do we do? You guys, y'all, a live studio audience. And Jesse, this fearless leader on the stage, started humming the song that we had heard hundreds of times in rehearsals, but we were all paralyzed. We didn't know what to do. And we started humming it. And then the rest of us started humming it and we went into the dance. And then at that moment, like maybe 15, 30 seconds later, the music did come on. But it was that moment that you brought music when there was silence. It was this moment of, we'll figure it out. We can do this. Yeah. That is my memory. Oh, I love that. I love that. Sometimes you have to make your own music. Yeah. yeah. And just <laughs> figure it out. Jesse, yeah. I have taken too much of your time. We're already at way over. And there were like 14 other things that I told Jesse we were going to talk about and we didn't. So I might have to. I'm sorry, I talk too much. No, this is the best. I loved every moment of this, and I know anyone listening will too. Jesse, wh where where do you want to leave this beautiful conversation? Is there anything else you would say to your teenage self, to teenage listeners, to humans that love teens? Um, I mean, you've said so much so beautifully, but I'll let you close out the show. Oh gosh, that's so much responsibility. Um, just. I really think the best thing, um, pursue, pursue what you love, but be willing to let it take you in unexpected directions and stay curious about all of that. So good. That's, that's, I think that's it. <laughs> so good. I didn't even ask you though, as I said that my memory, you've had, you've, you've gone from Highland Park theater department to Steppenwolf, to Broadway. Do you have a theater memory or a theater moment that you would share? Tempest stands out to me. And I think this is what I mean about success that I know I'm supposed to name, you know, like the Broadway shows that I've done, which listen, have been incredible. Doing Harry Potter was so cool because I got to like fly around and shoot fire and I was a bad guy. And like, that was really cool. But the moments that really stand out to me, I really think about like, it's very, it's personal for me of what were these things for myself. Um, the Tempest is one of them because I think we hadn't done a lot of Shakespeare as young people and it feels kind of inaccessible. And we were given great permission to find access in our own way to it and to build things really like us. We were sprites, you know, to like build this magic and language together felt so beautiful and intimate. Um, and then I had done, honestly, I, I went and I did a Broadway sh I did my first Broadway show and everyone's expectation of me was like, all right, you'll keep doing Broadway. And instead I came back to Chicago and the first thing I did was a children's theater show called the, um, 
Miraculous Journey of Edward Tulane, which is a beautiful book by Kate DiCamillo, I think is the author's name. And it was an ensemble thing with a small group of gorgeous actors. And we were performing for kids who were like captivated in this beautiful story. And to me, like, oh, it makes me cry. Um, to be able to share that experience with young people and to know how special a story is that you're sharing. That's why art matters to me. Ego stuff is amazing. Opportunity and success is amazing. But knowing in my, my deepest heart what matters to me and getting to experience that um, day after day is like the greatest human gift that I could have. <laughs> Can't think of a better yeah. way to end the show. Why didn't they tell us that the experience is even better? The journey is even better than the finish line. The feelings yeah. along the way are what you yearn for rather than the achievement. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't put this in an eloquent way, but I think one of my favorite things, and I want to just drive it home, find safe faces, find safe places to fail. That's so brilliant. And, and so like, so important because for so many of us, it's, uh, you know, uh, we avoid failure. And I think if you listen to my show or you, you coach with me, I'm like, go fail, go fail fabulously. And what a beautiful middle ground of go fail, but find safe places to do it until you're ready to, to, to do it in that grand way. I think that that was, you, you just lesson learned late in my life. And thank you for, for giving it me to me today. Thanks for having me, Leslie. This means so much to me. Pure joy. <laughs> Till next time, my friends, we will be talking again soon. Hey, mom, just a quick moment for us. Uh, if you like what you're hearing over here on Why Didn't They Tell Us, uh, looking for tips and tools to help your teen, be sure to check out the link in my show notes with my free guide, Six Simple Steps to Help Your Teen Cultivate Confidence. It's my way to help you help her. You got this mama. And I got you go grab that guide. And if you're looking for additional free resources, be sure to check out confidencecoachforgirls.com. That's confidencecoachforgirls.com. Thanks. Love what you hear. Well, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me at confidencecoachforgirls.com. That's confidencecoachforgirls.com or email me at lesliethelifecoach at gmail.com. That's lesliethelifecoach at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you.